Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult Series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Howard, a 65-year-old man, comes in today for a follow-up of his type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, and dyslipidemia. His labs show that his chronic conditions are well controlled and his blood pressure and other vitals are at goal. You share with him the good news of his labs and congratulate on meeting his treatment goals. Howard shares with you that he just lost his dad. He was 95 years old. Howard says, you know, he was kind of a medical miracle. He had a heart attack at 62, open heart surgery, and was told he had a very weak heart. He also had high blood pressure and a couple of other conditions but he never slowed down. He volunteered at the hospital. He was involved with various charities. He loved his families and never missed a birthday. You know, he took up singing and became a member of the church's choir. He sang a solo at last year's Christmas. I sure hope I have his genes. What do you think? Is it his genes or his medication or his will to carry on that helped him live such a fun life? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today to talk about the purpose of living and longevity is Susan Feeney, Assistant Professor and Coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Tract at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Hi, Susan. Hey, Frank. Wow, what, a, what an interesting paper to discuss, and what, a, what an interesting uh, case Howard's, Howard's dad is. Um, what does it mean to have a purposeful life? How, how, how has it been evaluated objectively? Well, it's, there's been all kinds of stuff in the lay literature, but in the medical literature, um, they really, one of, one of the most um, referred to scale is the Rife uh, Key Scale. And um, they started off with the idea of, you know, well, what is psychological well-being? And it, psychological well-being, they say, is some sort of, it's a measurement of happiness, and happiness is a balance between positive and negative views, but it also involves satisfaction with life and positive functioning. So they came up, they came up with the scale of six different um, aspects of well-being. And um, it's been used, the paper was originally written in 1995, so it's been used fairly uh, readily since then. It's, it's considered to be quite reliable and valid. And there's many different iterations of it. Um, there's like an 84 question, and then there's down to something as small as a modified one of seven questions. But psychological well-being, um, we know, has been is vital in people living well and living longer and trying to measure it. Um, this is one, one tool to measure it. What, what were the... Um the, the components of, of, of uh, psychological well-being? Well, the, the six components that the uh, Rife and her colleagues found in 1995 uh, were measured, actually, in this recent study that we'll talk about. But there are six of them, and one is autonomy, um, environmental mastery, personal growth, positive relations with others, purpose in life, um, and I like most aspects of my personality. So... Um, Autonomy is basically, do you feel like you have, 
you know, internal control of your life. Environmental mastery is, you know, do I feel in charge of the situation I live in? Personal growth is, you know, do you feel excited by challenges and ability to change with the environment? Do you have, um, do, are you, as far as personal relationships, are you willing to share with others? How many friends, you know, do you have a, a nice friend network? And then purpose in life, which I thought was interesting, was this quote, and they used a Likert scale. Some people wander aimlessly through life, but I am not one of them. And that's, that's the, the sentence that they use. And then um, comfortable with, with who you are. Do, do I like most aspects of my personality? So um, those are the, the six components. And the study that was recently published this past month was they looked at data from the Health and Retirement Survey. Um, and they looked at data collected from 2006 to 2010. And what they did was they, because this modified scale was used on, on the participants along with other types of measures, but um, they looked at um, the scale. And the higher you have, more points you have on the scale, the higher purpose in life. And um, they then looked at um, length of life after that. So they added, like, how many years after 2006 did these people survive? And they found this uh, correlation between a higher score on the um, purpose of life scale or the well psychological well-being scale and survival. And there was a significant correlation. Um, they looked at this, the four most common causes of death, cardiovascular, diabetes, um, respiratory illness, and GI. And they found that amongst all of that, cardiovascular was the number one cause of death, and that had the highest uh, correlation with purpose of life. Really? Yeah. So having a high sense of purpose in your in your existence lowered your risk from death from the common causes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And uh, pretty significantly, and you know, they're just mentioning that this is a correlation, but certainly, I think we all know people who have a lot of things in their health history that would put them at risk, and yet they persevere. So it's that intangible part that is so fascinating. So um, based upon this study, it, it seems to me that we need to figure out how to help identify and assess our purpose in life, and, and how do we put that into practice? Any suggestions? Well, and there's not really any good tools that have been validated for for use in a clinical practice. But I would think that you could use these six measures and integrate them in history. You know, hey, you know, tell me about your, you know, your contacts with friends and family. Do you get out? I mean, we probably ask some of these on a certain level, but not maybe in an intentional conscious way. So I think intentionally asking them about autonomy, um, do they feel it, uh, an internal control in their life or an external control? You know, internal is I have mastery to, to to change and react to change, or external, you know, um, I, I, fate has a plan for me, and I, I can't change that. Yeah. Because Why did this happen to me? It's right. one thing I hear oh, absolutely. from patients all the time. Why me? Why me? Yeah, right. I did everything right. Yeah. Right. And, and I think um, sort of having them, it's almost like motivational interviewing. Like, tell me about the things that might be, that are positive in your life, and helping them maybe reflect. Um, and this takes time, you know, and we, we don't have a lot of time with our patients, but I think a study like this, you know, it's as important as checking their blood pressure. It appears, you know, like maybe we should be, especially in primary care where we have a relationship with them, is that maybe doing some, you know, like mini cognitive therapy with them, like let's reflect back or, you know, affirmations or gratitude, you know, like what are you grateful for in your life? 
I couldn't agree more. Um, our, our friend Sanjeev Chopra um, likes to quote Mark Twain saying that the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. I, I think helping people um, both identify why they, they are who they are and what they want to be and help remind them. Uh, the, the gratitude literature is pretty clear. If you just ask people to write down two or three things every day as a mechanism to try to help them gain that internal locus of control, you'll improve their mood um, without doing too, too much more. That's right. And, and I think that, you know, I think a lot of us are so focused on the quantitative measures and what we can do, and we're very focused on what medications we can give. And, and we feed into the patients, the patients feed into us. But um, this is very, these are, these are reflective types of behaviors that will that appear are going to change the outcomes for their life and helping them understand that, you know, you, maybe you do have the ability, you know, and sharing with them stories like Howard's dad. I got the story of this gentleman. Let me tell you about him. You know, and, of course, one thing they pointed out in the, in the study is that what hasn't been studied is intervention. So, you know, what can we tell people to do? But there's smaller studies like meditation and volunteering and, you know, the gratitude. But you can, inter, you know, you can look at things, especially this is, these are folks over 50. So, um, you know, what can they do to help imp improve their purpose? Well, you know, maybe a volunteer. Uh, maybe you do some meditation or mindfulness. You know, think about what you're eating. Think about what you're watching. You know, take a walk and, you know, as they say, smell the roses. But all of that um, appears to be as important as many of the other things that we do to intervene with our patients. So, so what do you think about Howard and his dad? Do you think if he just keeps taking all his meds, he'll live as long as his father? Um, you know, it's hard to know. I would certainly, as a primary care provider, would like him to to continue with the treatment, but I would say, you just told me your dad was a phenomenal man and appeared to be very grateful and engaged in his life. So I would say that maybe it's genes and maybe it's the medication, but maybe it was also his attitude and his embracing and engagement and he's externally and he's internally controlled. So I would, if I were you, I would uh, not rest on the fact that you're his son. I would think about what can I do to engage with my environment and my, my life and to see if I can emulate him in that way. And that certainly, from our, the research, would give him as much help as everything else he's doing. Well, thanks, Susan. This is wonderful. Yeah, it was, a, it was actually one of the more enjoyable studies to read. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. Having a purpose in life correlates with lower risk from diseases, including cardiovascular disease. In patients at risk, and maybe for all, explore patients' purpose in life and your own in your own career. Join us next time when we review the American Urological Association's new guideline on the diagnosis and management of recurrent urinary tract infections in women. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.